Good morning, everyone. It's Saturday at 9 o'clock, and on Saturdays, I do something called Barney's Business Basics, and this is Barney's Business Basics number five. In the first four installments of this series, I talked about what is a business and what are the necessary ingredients for a business. I pointed out that there's only three necessary ingredients for a business, and if you put all these three ingredients together, you could have a business. So that is a, um, uh, that's a great place to start. Uh, in my next group or my next segments of the Barney's Business Basics, I am going to uh, go over a little bit of the history of business. And the reason I do that is I believe that uh, history uh, gives you some context uh, I'm an avid student of business history. I read uh, uh, books about business history, and I find the subject quite fascinating. Uh, I'm not an expert. I'm a student. I'm not an expert. I'm not a professor of history. Uh, and you're not going to get a lecture this morning. You're going to get my take on a just the very beginning of how you could look at, at business history. Um, what I find so helpful about uh, reading about business history is it helps me set the context. Uh, everything that happens is usually a response to something else. It's a consequence of some other action. And so if you go back in time, you can at some point get to the point where none of this, uh, none of the things that we take for granted today ever were happening. And you can look at when these things started and you can ask yourself the question, if you can magically put yourself back there, uh, what were they doing or what need were they addressing where they came up with this solution. And uh, if you look at it that way, you can often figure out uh, a lot about what businesses were trying to solve. And the reason why that has so much relevance for us today is that succeeding in business basically is solving business problems. And you will, you will have problems or challenges all the time. And I've learned that it's uh, it's easier to look at someone else's solution than to constantly reinvent the wheel. And so the first question I ask when I'm faced with a business problem is, has anyone ever encountered this problem before? And the nice thing about uh, asking that question is the answer is almost always yes. And if you can go back and find the, the person or the group that's had to deal with this issue before, you can get some knowledge as to how they dealt with it and you can get some idea of what dealing with it would mean for you. And so for that reason, I think history is really good. It's comforting in that it gives me a context. In other words, I don't feel as lost. Uh, if I can put my problem in perspective, I feel like I have uh, more chance of dealing with it than I, if I don't put it in perspective. And uh, often the, the work of someone else dealing with a business issue or business problem uh, gives you the clues as to how you would deal with your business problem. Um, so uh, in this fashion, I let the experience of others uh, be my guide. And when you can look a long way back, all the way through history, you find some really interesting uh, stories and you find some really uh, interesting uh, uh, concepts that seem to come up over and over and over again. And I, I think Learning a little bit about history and reading a little bit about history is an excellent way of improving your business skills. The history of business is really 
uh, three separate stories, and these three separate stories or uh, streams or uh, trains of thought or storylines, whatever you want to call them, they're constantly interweaving. And so the history of business is really the history of all three of these things uh, woven into each other, and they come up in different ways at different times. Uh, uh, but I'm going to start by looking at all three of them, and today we're going to look at the first of the three, and the first of the three I call trade, commerce, markets. So this is everything to do about the exchanging of goods and services. Uh, the other two are the history of money and accounting and finance and credit. So th that is a separate story than the history of trade. You can trade without those things, uh, but, but why did we start adding in money and accounting and finance? And we'll deal with that next week. And then the third um, area, uh, the uh, part of the story would be business structures and how they existed in different uh, political regimes, different times in history, uh, different empires, uh, different governments. Uh, uh, the business hasn't always had the form it's had today. And uh, being a businessman meant something different in say, Roman times or, or Greek times than it would mean today. So what were the business structures? How did businesses operate uh, in, in, at different times in history? And I find that, I find all three of these subjects actually uh, pretty fascinating. And I've tried to pick out one or two stories uh, in each of these areas to show you why I think it's so interesting. Um, uh, and yes, you can find academic books that are boring, but I think you can also find books that are pretty darn interesting and exciting to read. Uh, and, and so I'll try and point out some of the more interesting ones uh, as we go, so you can get an example of what it is that excites me about uh, the history of business. So uh, we're gonna, today we're going to examine the history of trade, and we're just going to stick to that subject for this morning's uh, segment called Barney's Business Basics Number Five. Uh, so the title of this segment would be The History of Trading. Uh, and trading started uh, long before we had history uh, in the area that, in an era that we would call prehistory. And prehistory just means that uh, we didn't write anything down. This was before writing. This was before uh, any permanent record of anything. So. Uh, only thing we can do is speculate about what happened, but it was very clear that in prehistory we were doing trading, and the, uh, we speculate that the initial form of trading was barter. Barter means that I've got something you want, you've got something I want, uh, let's exchange these two things. Um, what uh, they might cost in the beginning, they probably, there was no cost other than the trade. In other words, whatever the intrinsic value was of the thing you're trading was the cost. So whatever it cost you to make what, what you're trading away would be what you paid for the thing that you are getting. So there, there was just an exchange and an exchange only. Um, the earliest form of barter, I, and I'm just guessing I wasn't there then and there's no written history, so I just have to use my mind to speculate. Uh, but it seems to me that barter must have started inside of a tribe. You lived in tribes of people, uh, you were a member of your tribe, and at some point in history, I think tribes learned that specializing would be worth 
their wow. For instance, if I'm good at something, I would probably do more of it. And if I'm bad at something, I would probably do less of it. And the nice thing about having a tribe is you might have somebody who's good at something and bad at something else. And there may be another person with the opposite set of skills. So uh, if we're just talking about, let's, let's just, you know, make this simple. Uh, uh, let's, let's talk about just men and two kinds of men. You might have small, slender men who are very fast. Uh, uh, and you might, uh, the tribe might ask them to uh, uh, do some of the hunting uh, or, or finding of new things because they can move quickly. And then you might have uh, larger, more stocky men who uh, aren't as fast, but they are, let's say, very good at lifting things. They, they're stronger than the smaller men. And so they might be the ones who lifted stones or moved things around. And uh, once a, a group discovers that one person's better at something than somebody else, then they tend to do more of that and less of the other thing. Uh, and this is a kind of barter. In other words, if I'm, the, I, I would be one of the bigger, stockier guys. Uh, and so it might be my job to move things around. Well, I would be trading that skill or that effort with somebody who was smaller and faster, who might, for instance, have gone out and foraged for food uh, for me. So uh, that's a very simple kind of barter, and it's not necessarily a barter of goods. It could be also a barter of services. So this would be an example of a barter of services. And then slowly over time, and we're talking about long periods of time now, we're talking about you know, probably somewhere between 150,000 years ago up to maybe 15,000 years ago. So we're talking about a long, long period of time. Uh, people uh, probably got uh, uh, better at a whole bunch of things, and there was a point in time where people started making things. Uh, certainly they started by making clothes and making tools. Uh, and again, you know, I, if I was a specialist and I was good at making clothes, I would probably make clothes for more than one person in the tribe, and then somebody else would be making more of something else that I would be using. And, uh, and, and that just slowly progressed over time. And I, I think it was a long time before people, uh, either by accident or by design, started trading with uh, other persons outside of their tribe. Uh, and the, it's, it's really clear that as of, say, 150,000 years ago, people were living in tribes. The, the ancestors to, to uh, uh, us humans today were living in tribes. Uh, but the first archaeological uh, uncovering of evidence of trade between people uh, probably is in the area around 15,000 B.C. Uh, in what today would be called Eastern Europe, uh, along the Danube River, uh, there's clear evidence, according to archaeologists, of, of the trade of stone. Um, people were making tools, stone tools by that time, and the uh, best stone for making tools was obelisk, and uh, obelisk was found in some places and not in others, and uh, people who lived near where there was plenty of obel obelisk had, had more than they needed, 
and at some point they discovered that they could trade that with something, somebody else for something of value. Uh, we're still in the barter system. I'll give you some obelisk, you give me something else. Um, but that's the first example of a recorded uh, trade, and the recording isn't so much in writing, but it is in uh, what's left of, uh, that we dig up in archaeological uh, sites uh, when we try to learn about the, the past. Uh, rather than to get way too far uh, into the weeds here and, and keep this segment <laughs> at around 15 minutes, uh, I'll, I'll do some very quick fast-forwarding. Uh, the first evidence of writing uh, was probably during the Babylonian times, which is now quite a bit later. And uh, in, in Babylonia, uh, there's lots of evidence of making marks on clay tablets to record how much of something somebody has made or somebody has given away. And so that's much clearer evidence of trade. Again, we are still bartering. In other words, I give you something of this, you give me something of that. Uh, but for, in the, with, with writing, we had the first possibility of a trade in which it didn't have to happen exactly at the same time. By writing it down, the trade could take place over time. I'll give you something today. I'm going to make a mark. You're going to give me something tomorrow. Uh, and then, of course, there has to be somebody who's keeping score, keeping track of all that. Um, uh, and then let's fast forward again to uh, uh, what we call the trading empires. One way to look at history would be to look at uh, how, how uh, different groups of people uh, uh, grew their empire and became wealthy. And one thing that was very clear from the very beginning, I, I mentioned that the, the, the first trading probably uh, took place with the facility or uh, uh, with the uh, aid of a river, the Danube River, and um, uh, it, it became very clear, I think, to everybody that it was a lot easier to trade on water than it was by land. Uh, you could move things around on water one heck of a lot easier than you could move them around on land. So you would, um, uh, so the trading empires generally had ports and uh, were near the sea. Uh, and uh, the first major trading empire that was maritime based was the Phoenicians. Uh, now we're back. Now we're getting close to uh, the time of, of Jesus. Uh, so now we're, we're talking somewhere around 1000 BC. Uh, and another uh, great empire that uh, supplanted the Phoenicians was the Greek Empire, which was also uh, water-based. And then uh, the Roman Empire uh, came. And uh, we go uh, on and on um, uh, after the Romans uh, there, you know, there, there's a, a succession of great empires, trading empires, and in general, they were based upon their ability to put ships at sea. Uh, the Venetians built a great empire that lasted a thousand years. They, they basically were just a little city-state with a great big reach. Uh, they were supplanted by the Spanish and the Portuguese, uh, who in turn gave way to the English and their great uh, uh, trading vessels. Um, and then in modern times today, we have the United States, uh, which probably has the greatest navy the world has ever seen. So uh, in general, the history of trading, once you get into the Phoenician, up to about 1000 BC onward, a lot of it has to do with the ability to move things around in water and it relates to shipbuilding and it relates to how you move things 
uh, around. Uh, and uh, each one of these stories is probably uh, a fascinating. I read a book about the history of the Phoenician Empire, and I found the whole thing quite interesting. Uh, I like a lot of the areas in the Mediterranean, and the Phoenicians basically were the first group to unite the Mediterranean. And so they turned the Mediterranean into one area, whereas before that it had been uh, a bunch of um, tribes and countries and areas that, that uh, sort of kept to themselves. So um, the only big exception in, in, in the whole history of, of business to, the, to trading empires being established on the sea was the uh, tremendous amount of trade that uh, moved along what's today called the Silk Road. This is the uh, this is the basically the uh, the avenue from uh, the Eastern Europe and Asia Minor over to the Orient, uh, and uh, at at various times you had the Huns uh, uh, and uh, the Arabs each had a lot of domination and and, and built quite a, a, an empire based on their control of these trading routes. Uh, but again, the Arabs who who enjoyed a long period of prosperity. Uh, in the, in the Middle Ages and uh, a little later, uh, their whole domination of trade began to decline when the Portuguese found a way to sail around uh, uh, Africa and, and, and use a ship to go to the Far East as opposed to going over land. So uh, all this is just uh, a way of saying we've been, we've been buying and selling and trading for a long, long, long time and at each step of the way, uh, we've made improvements, or at least I'd like to think of them uh, uh, as improvements. And, uh, and there's a lot of information in all these stories about what happened uh, that can give us um, um, clues as to how we should act today. Uh, there's a lot of really famous stories, uh, like uh, 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 an interesting story is the tulip craze uh, uh, of, uh, of the 16 to 1700s. I think it was the 1700s, uh, where for a brief period of time, a tulip bulb was the most expensive thing in the world. And you go, well, what happened? What's going on here? <laughs> and uh, why would a tulip bulb become so valuable? Uh, another story I find just fascinating is the story of salt. Uh, salt is so common today, you don't hardly give it any thought, but there was a period of time, and not a short period of time, we're talking a long period of time, where salt was the most precious commodity in the world. Uh, and there's a great book written about this subject by Mark Kurlansky, and the title of the book is called Simply Salt. Uh, and it's a picture of the world, or it's a history of the world, through the eyes of salt, told uh, from the point of view of salt and the way salt was mined and the way salt was traded. Uh, but uh, in the late Middle Ages, or all during the Middle Ages, uh, salt was the most precious thing in the world because it was the only way that people knew to preserve food. And uh, when the Middle Ages came, the Dark Ages, um, a lot of people had a hard time feeding themselves. Uh, and and uh, it was literally a, a matter of life or death, learning how to preserve food. And uh, using salt was the only way we had of preserving food at that time. We did not have refrigeration or any of the modern conveniences. So uh, how salt was mined and how salt was traded 
was uh, was interesting, and the fact that salt gave rise to a major empire, the Venetian Empire. Uh, I I find the whole thing fascinating to, to think that you could have this phenomenal trading empire that was built on uh, a marsh that nobody thought was any good uh, in northeastern Italy, and the reason why they became so wealthy is because they learned to mine the marsh for salt. So th those are the kind of uh, things that I find fascinating. Uh, they're, they're, they're quirky little stories, and yet they have big points to make, and they have big uh, you know, lessons for us if we want to learn what they are. So I think I'm going to stop here, and we'll try and recap by saying that one of the ways you can learn about the history of business is to read about the history of goods, commerce, trading, uh, marketplaces, how did things move around, uh, and, and why did things move around. And in there are lessons that we can learn about why we might sell something today or why we might buy something today. And uh, those lessons can serve us in good stead as we're trying to build our own businesses. I will come to you next week with my Barney Business Basics number six, and number six will be the history of business uh, with an eye toward the second stream of business that I think is so important, which is the area of money, accounting, finance, and credit. Uh, without those things, we wouldn't have modern business today. And so that in and of itself is another fascinating story, totally separate from uh, what it is we're moving around and what goods and services we offer to each other. Thanks for listening today, and I will see you next week.